Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast with Judah Smith. Uh, That's me, Judah. I am so excited to share this message about Jesus and his love for you. I really hope it's a personal encouragement to you. Hey, let us know if we can serve you at churchhome.org. Join us on Pastor Chat uh, on the app. We want to make sure that you are cared for and loved without any further delay. Let's jump in. Here's the message. Did your parents ever say to you, a mom or dad or an uncle or an aunt, no means no? Do you remember that? I have vivid memories of my dad reiterating his no by saying, when I say it, I mean it. No means no, which of course insinuates this idea that when I say no, I don't want to say no again because I said no once and I meant it. I mean it. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. No means no. I want to speak to you for a few moments along the lines of done means done. When Jesus says he's done, when Jesus says he's finished, you can count on it. You can bank on it. Jesus means what he says and says what he means. That brings us to this emotionally charged, gory, bloody moment in scripture. In John chapter 17, Jesus is quoted saying in verse four, it is done or it is finished or it is complete. What does he mean? Well, first of all, he didn't say I am finished. He said it is finished. Well, what's the it there? What's the it that he is referring? Because evidently, Whatever it is, it is done. It's not dot, dot, dot. It is a period. It is a done and finished work. And of course, the it is the assignment given to Jesus by the Father. God the Father gave God the Son the assignment of becoming sin for all of humanity so that by his once and for all, sacrificial death, we could trade places. We could become righteous as he became our sin, our judgment, and our condemnation. At the end of the some six hours, Jesus hung on the cross, disfigured and mangled and suffocating to death in his own blood. He mustered up all of his remaining energy and strength to declare it's done, it's finished. The work has been completed. And today's message carries with it this idea that when Jesus finishes something, it doesn't need to be redone. It doesn't need to be questioned. It doesn't even necessarily need to be investigated. You can count on it. They used to say growing up, you could take it to the bank. It's done. Well, what's done? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21, which you've heard me quote if you've been a part of community here at Church Home, it is indeed my life verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, there it is. He became our sin. This was the work of the cross. He bore our iniquities. He bore our sin. He took upon himself the consequences and judgment of our selfish and self 
serving ways. He's the savior. He's the, he's in the spotlight. He's the plot of the whole story. He's the point of all humanity. And he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Done means done. Today, I am hoping that you will enter into a whole nother dimension of rest, a whole nother dimension of reprieve. So much of our life is performance-based, but when it comes to Jesus, our life is person-based, Jesus, and position-based, righteous. Because of Jesus, because he was fully God, yet fully man, tempted in all ways we are tempted in sin, and yet had no sin, he could pay for your sin and mine. And at the end of the six hours he hung on the cross, he said, I've completed it. It, in fact, is done. No longer. Now, the implications of this are so important and imperative for us to review and rehearse, lest we become striving and stressed and fearful and anxious and worried like everybody else. The point is this, that performance-based relationship with God is over. This idea of earning favor with God through your good deeds is over. Jesus is now fully He has fully and completely exhausted the wrath of God in his body. And now what is left, we are hidden in Christ, the scripture says. And now we are approved, we are loved, and we are accepted because of the performance of Jesus, not our performance. Oftentimes I hear like, Judah, you know, you, you preach the same thing over and over. I do because I believe with all my heart, this in fact is the most powerful potent reality in human history and all of the universes known and unknown. Done means done. Jesus is done. Now, there's a number of other implications that go with this finished work of Jesus on the cross. Romans chapter 10 and verse 4 says, Jesus has brought about the end of the law. Now, what's interesting is the same, the Greek word that Jesus uses on the cross, the same root word is used, in fact, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 4, where Jesus says, or the scripture says, I should say, Jesus has brought about the end of the law. Now, what is the law? The law, obviously, this is probably distilled even too far for me to say it like this, but to put it in layman's terms, to put it in simple terms, it's a list of rules to keep. And if you keep the rules, you keep a relationship with God. If you don't keep the rules, you don't keep a relationship with God. And so originally, God oriented man in a rules-based, performance-based relationship. All of this, of course, was to set us up to recognize that we can't keep the rules. We can't live up to the standard. We can't hit the mark. We can't keep it up. And so God would send his son, Jesus, who would do it in our place, which causes so much gratitude and so much worship and so much honor because he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now, the scripture says Jesus has brought about When he says it is finished, he means also the law has been completely fulfilled. So our lives are no longer to be oriented around rules or even the Ten Commandments. Jesus is the point of life. Jesus is the focus, not rules, commandments, conditions, 
uh, even the overemphasis of character and integrity, both of which are imperative and so important. But character and integrity should only be reflected as it's seen in the person of Jesus. So our focus begins to shift. I've found that a lot of people in their spiritual journey get a deep spiritual fatigue, deep fatigue, because they begin to obsess over, well, frankly, what everybody else obsesses over. And that's our performance. That's our rule keeping. Am I as nice as the Joneses on the cul-de-sac? Am I generous? Am I kind? Am I considerate? Am I compassionate? Am I empathetic? Am I, you know, all of these things that we tell ourselves, this is what makes me a good person. The teachings of Jesus now is that all have erred, all are selfish, all have sinned, but Jesus completed the work so that we could be accepted with God forever. Again, the focus is not our performance, the focus is Jesus' performance. So now our life begins to be oriented, not around things I need to do, things I need to work on, which is very prevalent in our culture. People wanna put together goals and things they're working on, and I'm not saying that any of those lists are inherently wrong, but the overwhelming emphasis and focus of our life should be discussing, conversing, dialoguing and focusing around the performance of Jesus. Look at Jesus' performance. Look how wonderful he is, how kind he is, how considerate he is, how perfect he is, and look what he did for us on the cross. Your life is no longer to be lived according to the law, for the law has ended. The law is finished. The law has been fulfilled. So it's no longer about the some 630 laws in the Hebrew scripture. It is now about trusting, relying, thinking, ruminating, becoming enamored with the person of Jesus and all that he's done in your life. I wanna take you to one more passage, one more passage of scripture, which probably you've heard of. Philippians 1 and verse 6. And it tells us this, that what God started in you, he will finish it to the day it is completely done. He'll finish it. Now, what's interesting is Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 uses the same root, the same root word that Jesus used on the cross. Finished, completed, done. Philippians 1.6 begins to give us a little bit of the tension. It tells us, listen, there are things, though Jesus has finished the work, how many know he's not finished with you? Your righteousness is secure, which is to say your position in Jesus, you're hidden in Christ, you're accepted, you're loved and approved. Now, a lot of thinking people would say, but I'm still a liar or I'm still selfish. Or in my case, I still have an anger problem on the golf course and sometimes in real life, you know, like, so God's not finished. But Philippians 1, 6 says, hey, the same confidence that you have that Jesus finished the law, that he fulfilled the law, that he finished the work for our righteousness, so be well assured, believer, that he will also finish the work he's working in you. He's going to finish it. God is going to keep working with you. This is another way of saying God is never going to leave you. God's not going to forsake you. One of my favorite things to do is to continually invite Jesus in the ugly spaces and places of my life. 
We often just want to talk to God about the beautiful places and the wonderful places. God, thank you so much. I'm so generous. Thank you so much. I'm so kind. Thank you so much. I have good manners. But God, thank you. You're helping me with my anger. You're helping me with my greed. You're helping me with my lust. You are not finished with me. He's going to be with you throughout each and every season and each and every day. Hey, we can both sit here and get real worked up about the really embarrassing spaces, places, and parts of our life that are not pretty. They're not even tolerable. They're just flat out ugly. But Philippians 1, 6 says, God's in that space. Jesus is in that space and he's working with us. When's the last time you invited God to work with you in the embarrassing places of your life? Because he promises he'll finish it. He's not gonna leave it undone. He's not gonna leave it undone. He's going to continue to work with you. One of my favorite things to say to my kids is I'm not going anywhere. You hear me? I'm not going anywhere. Hey, Zion. Hey, Elliot. Hey, Grace, the names of my three children, I'm not going anywhere. When they fail, I'm not going anywhere. When they succeed, I'm not going anywhere. I'm always going to be your dad. And as long as I have breath in this body, I will be available to you. I will not close my heart to you. And of course, that's exactly the message of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. By the way, God knows that embarrassing space in your life and he's there. Did you know that? He's already there. He's been there the whole time. Maybe you didn't see him. Maybe you didn't feel him. Maybe you didn't even acknowledge him. Maybe you thought that space was away from him. It's not. He who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You are righteous And simultaneously, you are becoming more like Jesus every day. He's going to make you more like him every single day. One of the things I love about Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 is it has these three operative words, began, good, and complete, or completion. He began a good work. He'll complete it. You know what's amazing? Philippians 1, 6 is almost a recounting or of the Genesis account where God began the heavens and the earth. He called it good and he completed it. Philippians 1.6 is just telling us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he starts, he always completes. He always completes. My dear friend, Robbie Hilton, who pastors a wonderful church in Tennessee, a wonderful state, of Tennessee. He told me a story the other day. He came out to spend some time with me and he said, I used to get scared at night. I was like, oh man, me too. And I would go into my parents' room and I would sleep next to my dad's bed. He goes, bro, I did that too. He said, can I tell you a story? He said, I'd get so scared that I would roll over next to, you know, on the floor next to my dad's bed. And I would ask, but dad, dad, are you, are you looking at me? Are you keeping an eye on me? And of course, what he was asking is, hey, I'm really scared. And while I'm sleeping next to your bed, are you at least positioned to see me laying here? 
I know I'm not in your bed, but I need to know that you got your eyes on me. Isn't that the message of Philippians 1, 6? I started, I'm gonna keep watching. I'm gonna keep looking. I can imagine little Robbie laying there, a little Judah laying there. I know I did that a lot of times. I'd get scared, watch some dumb movie that would scare me. And I'd lay next to my parents' bed, you know, when I was 24. And I'm kidding, it was 14. Um, but here's little Robbie, just wanted to know as his eyes got heavy and he fell asleep finally, that while he's sleeping, his dad was still watching. I got good news for you. Are you weary? Are you worn out, burnt out, tired and exhausted? As your eyes get heavy and you fall asleep with all that is going on in the world, I got good news. Your heavenly father, he's still watching. The Bible says neither, neither sleeps nor slumbers. Doesn't take a nap doesn't sleep through the night. He doesn't need to sleep. He is the light, the morning star, the sun and the moon. He watches over you. He's near to you. It is finished. Rest in that. Rest in John chapter 17. Rest in Romans chapter 10. Rest in Philippians 1, 6. Maybe even take some time and read those passages. John 17, 4. Romans 10 and verse 4. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Check those verses out today and allow yourself to receive the reminder of heaven that God is going to complete it all. He's constantly with you and looking over your life, your past, your present, and your future. Take an exhale. You can rest in that. Let me pray. God, thank you for the minutes and moments we share. Take your word, your message, your ways, and remind us constantly of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.